you hear in the background. Hurricane Yoda is about to make landfall in Bergvilton. And you think to yourself, wait a minute. Didn't Hurricane X-Ray just strike there last week? Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. This week we're going to be talking a little bit about weather memories, or if there is such a thing. Before we get there, of course, I hope you're having some good weather, some enjoyable weather, weather that you find interesting and educational maybe. Tropical cyclone season. It's had my schedule a little bit, you know, chaotic to say the least. It, professionally, it's always a busy time for me during kind of what you know, I'd refer to as peak tropical cyclone season, particularly in the North Atlantic, just because it's so close to where I live, where a lot of my work takes place. But it can be in different zones and different regions around the globe. The season so far, there's a lot of prediction for a very active season. Season so far, we got off to an early start, but we haven't had a lot of hurricane-level stuff yet. That will likely change at some point. There's a couple systems out there right now that could reach hurricane intensity. Though they're kind of on the threshold of whether they'll get there or not. But, you know, I'm still drawn back to this report. Uh, or this forecast I saw on LinkedIn, right? I'm going to give them a grade ultimately. So far, it's not looking too good for them. I will say that their forecast as it stands right now is not probably going to get a passing grade. And we'll go into how I would grade such a forecast when I get around to it. Because I think we'll do an episode about how that type of forecast I think is not good for people like me and others who find giving a quality forecast important. And part of a quality forecast, one of the elements that clearly was missing from this thing is uncertainty. And talked about it many times before, and that's actually something that's had me really busy the past couple weeks, is it's working on a project. We're talking about something historically and looking at what likely happened and reconstructing that, but also in that context placing some bounds around what could have happened. And you can look at it different ways. What you know could have happened versus what likely happened. And they're going to be different ranges, of course. But kind of quantifying that uncertainty is a big part of what meteorology in my mind or, or quality forecasts today should incorporate. Many still don't. This was an example of one that didn't. And I think it's ultimately going to come back to haunt that individual that they didn't put some quantifying information about the forecast. It's some very basic stuff. Any case, we'll get to that future future episode for now. Well, another thing I found interesting was spam has finally the what is about the weather at gmail.com, which you know is a way to reach me. The spamville, if you will, finally found that email address. Interestingly, yeah, I'd get spam from time to time or things that Gmail would trigger as spam. But for the most part, it's not been an abused email address. And and maybe because you almost really have to listen to the podcast to find it. I mean, it's always been on the web page to some extent. But somehow it got into somebody's list. And I don't know if it was because it was in somebody's you know inbox and their account got hacked or whatever else. But I've started seeing this increase in, in spam. We'll see if that... Tra- I'll, I'll report on that in a future episode. So it's kind of a tangential weather-related spam problem that 
just came out of the blue. It was rather unexpected. But I think my favorite weather event is I had what I'm going to call Mimi's Cakes weather. Now, you may think, what has that got to do with anything? Well, we'd had some, you know, I would say kind of toasty days here in my area. And the weather finally broke. And the weather broke enough to where on Sunday, after I was kind of wrapping up this thing that I've been working on the past couple of weeks, not completely, but was mostly done with it, and had some time for a break, the weather also broke. And went out for a nice bike ride. Long one, kind of in the countryside. Not too far away. Let's say 100 miles away from, from where I'm at. And stopped at a place that, you know, stopped and get some drinks, some little bit of breakfast was out for a morning ride and it's a place that traditionally has like they have in the morning like donuts and pastries and I don't think they necessarily make them themselves I think someone else or, or they're made off site it's a little farmer's market if you will and that day they were completely out but what they did have is they because I got there a little late they had these things called Mimi's Cakes and they talk about how it's a 30-year recipe and all that kind of stuff and more or less, it was baklava for for those who are familiar with that, but just kind of a filo dough layered sort of thing. They were good, and they kind of hit the spot. Um, it was just kind of interesting. But now I'll always equate that day and that kind of the weather that was going on that day, which was just, it was perfect for riding. It was not too cold, but it was cool, so I could do some, some climbs and not sweat to death. And... There was enough of a cool air on the descent of any hill to, you know, it evaporative cooling took full force. And while I may have gotten on the verge of being a little too cold, never, never quite got there. So it was perfect. It's perfect for that. So Mimi's Cakes weather will be what I would call late summer morning weather. It's kind of perfect for that. All right. Now I mentioned, I mentioned about the G, uh, the Gmail account. What is it about the weather? Gmail.com. If you have a Mimi's Cake weather story or something that you relate to a certain type of, of weather, and, and again, where it touches something else, where you have some specific memory, let me know. Love to hear those stories. Of course, you can always reach me on Twitter as well at Mark underscore Jelinek for me as an individual, or you can hit the podcast there at What Is It About the Weather at the Twitter. YouTube, I, you know, Again, I've got some video stuff coming. I'm hoping now that this project wrapped up. I've got one or two more projects that really just kind of all came together in the summer. I'm hoping those things kind of wind up here soon and that I'm going to have time to work through some of this content. Some of it's been generated. You know, I was talking about this blue sky weather, some other stuff I'm working on. Hopefully that's going to take hold and the YouTube channel will get an influx of things. And so I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that at that time. Any case variety of ways to get there. If you ever forget, if you ever forget how to contact the podcast, while I don't have an in-depth webpage, what is it about the weather.com still is out there and you can go there and get the podcast feed or send the podcast feed to someone else if you want to. And you can find all that same contact information there. So it remains there. It's an easy way to get it, but that's kind of what the website is today. It's really just a one page informational launching pad, if you will, to the other sources. All right, let's get into the main topic. And let's talk a little bit about memories. And, you know, can you remember the last time you did X? Or what memories do you have about Y event? Or how much memory is in your latest phone? Now, I bring up those questions as an example of 
different ways. And this is always one of the nuances of any word, right? You know, I'm talking English here, but I've, I've seen it in Spanish and I've seen it in other languages as well. I'm going to assume that most languages have words that have multiple meanings. And the nuances of those meanings can translate into very different outcomes. And, and we'll talk about why that is and why there's this confusion in general, particularly with weather and the word memory. Now, I truly wish that we lived in a world that every word had a meaning, right? But if we did that, we would probably have way too many words to remember them all. And so we don't do that. And we tend to take a word and give it some different meanings or those meanings evolve over time to be slightly nuanced in a different way that most of the time may not be of much impact, but sometimes they can be. And I came across an interesting article, and this is where the context of this episode comes from, being that it's tropical cyclone season. And you heard me with the intro kind of line of the idea of one hurricane and another one being very similar in maybe a track or a location where it made landfall specifically that seems to be very, very close or almost identical to something that happened a week before, two weeks before, whatever it is. So this article talked about whether the weather has a memory and right. Does it remember where that last hurricane or tropical cyclone went and does it go there again? Or does it remember where that last tornado went and does it go there again? Right. So hurricane might be a week later tornado. There's examples of one tornado following another tornado, same day, same town. Does that blizzard that just came through this week, is it going to be followed by one four days from now, like the weather forecast are predicting? And how much of that has to do with, does the weather remember these things? Now, the short answer to that article, and I think it's true, is they kind of tried to squash that idea of weather memory, if you will, that the weather doesn't necessarily remember and draw upon. And I think that's an important piece here. It doesn't recall what happened four weeks ago, two weeks ago, one day ago, maybe even hours ago, and try to repeat that same thing. Okay? So from a context of the memory being something that you can recall or make a decision on in the past, it doesn't do that, right? Whether in and of itself doesn't do that. And that's what the article was talking about. But we'll come back to that because I found another article just after that, that talked about, and this was an older research article I'd seen, but for some reason there was a new headline about it. And I don't know why. But the context of the article that was written, this kind of you know website, and I'll, I'll have links to both of these in the show notes. It was about the ocean's memory and how the ocean remembers all these things and has this long memory. And it was specifically talking about how weather that took place hundreds of years ago is just now finally working its way into the deep ocean, right? So the temperature profile that took place and that slowly radiated downward through the ocean and you know, this has to do with ocean circulation and how things trigger, but it also reflects the idea that not everything plays out the same way, right? What happens at the surface of the ocean may be very different than what happens at the depths of the ocean and how long it takes that same temperature profile to reach there, if it even does, right? 
But they talked about ocean memory specifically and how the ocean has a memory. Now, they were talking about it in a different sense. And this gets in the idea of the kind of the computer memory, right? Where computer memory, the idea is when we think about computer memory or in your phone or whatever it is, that it's a place that informational aspects are stored that can be recalled. I mean, that's the, the interesting thing is memory in your computer doesn't do the recall, right? But some software will, or, you know, the processing unit pulls that out at the direction of, of some software or command from the computer, but it's a repository. And the idea of what they were getting into was there is a repository in the ocean of this stuff that moves around. It can take a very long time to go from point A to point B, but it's not forgotten. It's in, it's in the background somewhere. And you can say the same thing is true about a lot of things. I saw a documentary not too long ago about mushrooms and how mushrooms, you know, have this memory of thing because of how long they've lived. The fundamental difference in that documentary though, was the idea that these fungi actually can recognize their own offspring. And that's that next step, which is it can make a decision about what to do based on what it's recalling or pulling out of a memory repository. So I guess that's really two different ways to think about it, right? Is it's the stores, if you will, of informational points that make up, you know, can make up a collective memory when you have a a memory of some past event, it's a bunch of different pieces, right? And this is always the challenge when you try to recall something and when someone else who was also there recalls it differently, it's because your two memory stores may have actually gravitated to what the key elements were that you had go down at that time. And you may remember something completely different on the surface, but if you look at the underlying features, they may have been very similar. And this always gets into the difference between truths all right, my truth, your truth, everybody else's truth, and facts, right? These underlying key elements that were there, okay? And it's the same thing for weather, and I, we're going to talk about why it's a little different on different time scales and why it's different, for instance, from the atmosphere than it is for the ocean. Now, you may have heard me mention before, if you've li listened to all the episodes going way back in time, or you may have heard someone else mention, you've probably heard the idea of what we call the butterfly effect, right? And this is based on the idea that one small change at some point in time in a dynamic process, and specifically this was talking about the weather, that little change drives another change somewhere else and another one. And each one of those things collectively add up to drive a major outcome. Okay, but more fundamentally when it has to do with the weather, and this paper was, Lorenz, it's a famous paper, late 60s, right? It's been around a long time. The idea was how long is it that the atmosphere holds on the information or that it changes so much from a base state that at some period of time later, it's unrecognizable, all right? Some sort of physical limitation of how far in the future can we see the weather? And the premise back then was it was about two weeks, right? And the premise today still fundamentally is it's about two weeks. And this has to do with the idea that whether you look at the way we ingest data, all right, from a variety of observation systems to the underlying, even our understanding, but the equations we use to create 
weather forecast and all that stuff, it's improved significantly. So back then there was a theoretical limit. Now we're approaching that theoretical limit. Our systems are good enough today where if you look at a week out forecast, a lot of times it's fairly accurate, right? And even out to maybe two weeks, they're fairly accurate. Now the timing might be off or the magnitudes might be off, but where you'll see it fail is on these things that have a lot more variability. Like, you know, there was this forecast for rain, but you ended up you know, getting severe thunderstorms or the, the, you know, it was saying that there might be rain and it ended up being a flood or it ended up not raining at all. Right. And this all has to do with the idea that the atmosphere works in layers of speeds. Okay. There's some things that we, we call long-term patterns that tend to hold into place for, and don't change as often. And then there's the short-term dynamic stuff that kind of overlays it that might determine whether you have thunderstorms in any given day or specific weather in a given day. How hot did it actually get versus are you under a heat wave, right? And some of what drives those final decisions is very short-term, if you will, in terms of the pieces of information that are required to provide that final outcome and how the atmosphere thinks about it. But at the same time, also remember that in summertime, the likelihood is you're going to have some basic range of events. And this has to do with the fact, very simply, of where the sun is relative to you. How many hours a day does the earth get heated around you? But, you know, maybe there's some forest fires going on that bring in some smoke that keep the temperatures down or contribute other factors to the way the atmosphere holds heat or doesn't. You know, we've talked about how clouds can keep it warmer at night. And how does that influence the next day? Well, it may or may not. It just depends, right? But all those elements come into play in defining what it is that your weather is going to look like. Now, some of that, as you can, as you're thinking about through this, is some sort of memory, right? Because what's in the atmosphere and what makes up the atmosphere and these broader steering patterns that tend to happen, let's say when the Atlantic Ocean heats up and we have tropical cyclone season and it happens around the same time every year. Is it exactly the same? No. Are there nuances? Yes. Are the number of hurricanes you actually see, can they vary meaningfully? Yes, because there's other pieces that sit on top of this. The underlying state or the base state is ideal maybe not ideal, but relevant for tropical cyclone formation. It's, it's in an environmental setup that allows for it. It's conducive to it. But there's other aspects. For instance, in the case of the Atlantic, how much dust and sand is coming off the continent of Africa? We call this the Saharan air layer. It's at lower level of the atmosphere, but this dust, it can reach all the way to the North American, South American continent. So it can go a long way. Some seasons there's more or less. So exactly how the wind's set up, exactly how we see these steering patterns. And this gets into the tropical cyclone thing. It doesn't, that, that new hurricane, and this is the point of the article, that new hurricane has no idea what the other one did and doesn't really care and doesn't draw on, you know, it's not like there's some big weather machine that draws on that one to decide this one. But the broader steering mechanism and sometimes, you know, if you've listened about the Atlantic, you'll have heard it called the Bermuda High. It's a pattern that sets up and it steers things, but there are breaks in that. 
There's undulations in that, and that's why a hurricane can go from point A to point B, but they may follow a general pattern in a given season because that's what the dynamics are flowing around is this underlying state. And gaps in that allow it, you know, hurricane finally to turn. But sometimes that pattern can hold pretty true for a very long time in a given year or even multiple years. So that's why all these waves come together, if you will, to result a final outcome. But the best way to probably think about it is that in the short term, weather fades fast. And beyond two weeks, what it looked like two weeks ago, there's just, there's nothing in the atmospheric state generally speaking, to hold on to that flow, what patterns looked like, where things were, but it's still summer or it's still fall. And so you still have this underlying state. And one of the hardest areas to predict, and this is an area of lots of study right now, is we've gotten really good at that short term, right? Far enough out for most people, for most cases, there's room for improvement. But there's a recent study, and, I, and I'll put a link into that, that still shows that while we're approaching getting better at that, you know, we, we went where we were really just not very good at three days. There, there's a well-known kind of graphic that kind of shows how we've improved on day three, day five, day seven, day ten, if you will, and the strides we've made. But no matter what, it still looks like with all our advancement, there's nothing to suggest we've made any breakthrough or have any better understanding today that would allow us to ever forecast beyond that. Is that possible? It could change, sure, but we're not there today. However, we've got this longer-term seasonal stuff, and that's why you see these seasonal forecasts and things like El Nino or La Nina. You may hear others that trigger that. But in in between, we have the sub-seasonal forecast, and we do have some understanding about patterns that influence that. And There's one called the Madden-Julian Oscillation, or sometimes you'll hear it called MJO, and it impacts the tropics all across the globe. Originally, it was thought just the Pacific, but what we've learned, it impacts the globe. Okay? And this pattern tells us a little bit about why hurricanes can be really busy for a couple of weeks and then go into a state where they're not so busy. And it has to do with, back to this fundamental idea, it doesn't preclude something from happening, but it does dampen the state that, that would build upon that favorable season for development and suppress things or not encourage things. So there's not a memory. And, and, you know, you can think about all this stuff and everything we do in a predictive sense, where it's looking at stock markets, whether it's looking at anything that looks forward. There's always these underlying seasons, like shopping season, right? But then you have something like COVID gets thrown in. But how the market reacts or trying to predict the market has all sorts of little things that go into it. An individual company reports earnings of a certain type, and maybe they're early in the season, but maybe they're in a sector that for which they're a dominant player. And the belief is, well, maybe that's going to influence all the players in that sector, and you gotta, you, you got to look at all these things. And they all influence the long-term behavior in the market, the intermediate term and the day-to-day and the hour-to-hour and the minute-to-minute fluctuation, just like a weather forecast. So it holds true in everything we do. It's just like the traffic patterns. 
right? Now, as more of us are getting back to the office, think about it the same way. Your traffic patterns in the city or wherever you live are fundamentally based on how many roads there are and how many cars are going to get on those roads. In a broader sense, they're going to be impacted by what kind of construction projects you've got going on or what's the weather like? What weather season is it? Right? But on any given day, there's so many things that can come into play. Was there a weather event? Did someone run in the back of somebody else? Right? All those things come into play and why it's hard to, why we can predict a base state and build upon that. At some point, there's only so much you can do. You can have a general idea, but there's a lot of things that could come up that can trigger otherwise. So does the weather have memory that it recalls upon things? It doesn't really recall. That's our job. We recall on it, but it's the same thing with markets. It's the same thing with traffic. Whatever you want to look at in terms of that predictive looking forward thing is the baseline state is there. The individual elements are there. So there's these memory stores, but the recall portion of it, a sentient beings are the ones, or even the computers are the ones that do that part of the process. It's not the the fundamental background portion of it. So it's in the end, it will depend to some extent about how you define memory. Are you talking about the place where information is stored? Yes, there is some weather memory there. Are you talking about how the events that transpire call on one, or one another in some sort of past looking forward, forward looking back? No, it doesn't. So just keep that in mind. But it's interesting nonetheless. So the next time you hear about weather memory, just remember... Or maybe don't remember that there's much more weather than the weather itself.